Three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the I Think It's a Classic podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Tannis Gale, and I am joined from across the country by uh, Mr. John Brummer. John, how are you doing today? I am doing great. How about you? I'm doing very well. I'm feeling very well rested. As you know, I was a little late for recording because... I was taking a nap that I didn't set the alarm correctly for, so. Well, that happens. I have definitely been there. <laughs> well, hell yeah, John. Well, before we get started on today's album, uh, what have you been listening to lately? Uh, actually, well, the newest uh, Interpol has been making a lot of spins in my car, I guess, because that's usually where I listen to music lately since i spend pretty much 90 percent of my time there now um and uh i don't know if this would be surprising to you but the new mitski has been getting a lot of spins from me lately yeah i can't say i know who mitski what? is why don't you enlighten me uh mitski is she's kind of like a a lot of people compare her to natalie merchant but i i, I there, there's stuff that that kind of sounds like Blondie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's something that I didn't see myself really digging, but I've been really loving it lately. Uh, she has a one of her big singles right now is called Nobody, and it's like a total like kind of disco-y, I, I don't, I don't want to say punk, but definitely it's not just straight up disco. Um, well, kind of Iggy like Pop is kind of. Actually, I mean, you were comparing him to Blondie, so it's kind of like Blondie wasn't straight up disco, and for some reason they get lumped in with a lot of those punk bands. So I, yeah, I, I kind of yeah. get a flavor from well, what you're trying to say. They they came from the 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 New York punk scene, and I mean there is some punk. It, it, Blondie wasn't just disco flavored stuff. I mean they have some very punk rock. Uh, oh yeah, that song X Offender is like one of my favorite jams. It's an early Blondie oh, track. Oh, that's a and great one. And now I'm escaping, actually, what is probably my favorite um, Blondie song. But that one is probably one of the best punk rock songs ever written. Um, and uh, now it sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about because I forgot what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> but you were talking um, about Mitski. You were trying to explain Mitski to me by way yeah. of uh iggy pop has called her probably one of the best songwriters of the modern age okay so i i would say that that's a compliment yeah i mean iggy's iggy iggy is iggy (laughs) but it doesn't hurt to be you know to get some words of high praise from him yeah it's just funny that you mentioned iggy pop because i've been um thinking i have this uh live album that i've been listening to in my car a lot yeah. And as much as I like so much of Iggy Pop's music really uh has a has a way of speaking to me, especially uh, you know, the messier the better, you know, with a lot of the early Stooges stuff. Not the weirdness. Yeah. I say early Stooges meaning not that album the weirdness, because that I oh guys, you tried. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all the pieces were there. I mean Scott Steve Albini even produced that album and it was just it, he couldn't save it. It was Oof. Anyway, um, but yeah, it was just 
some of those songs on that uh, live album just absolutely rule. And a couple of like 80s tracks that I wasn't familiar with before I had picked that up. But then some mm -hmm. of those songs really suck. What, wh like, what era was this from? Um, like mid-late 80s. Like he was doing like blah, blah, blah. Which I just, I'm just like, why? I, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, and he does songs like Butt Town and shit like that. And you're just like, what are you doing? Come on. <laughs> you came here to search By and destroy way. and now you're singing about a butt town. <laughs> Can you go back to where you were and singing about how you're going to come here again? Because that was better. <laughs> I I, I uh, looked up the song. It's called "I Didn't Have the Nerve to Say No." Oh, okay. I don't think I know yeah. that one, but I'll take your word for it's a it. Good anyway, what have you been listening to? Uh, I've been listening to the latest released by Daughters, which is absolutely amazing. Um, now I'm drawing a complete blank on the album title itself because all I can think of is my favorite track off the album, a song called. Uh, the reason they hate me, which uh, you should look up. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, the album's called "You Won't Get What You Want." That's right, called "You Won't Get What You Want," and um, it is just a ripping noise rock album. It's their first album since 2010, and that 2010 album was something I discovered last year, and it's one of my favorites. And this newer one is shaping to also be one of my favorites. Yeah, I I I, I uh, don't know if you were telling the audience to check it out or me, but I have. Yes, yeah, I, I know you had. Yeah, I was telling the audience. <laughs> I know. I was you gonna had. say. I mean, you said it was there, and I was like, I'm going to check this out, and it is very good. <laughs> and there's uh oh man, yeah, this nap killed my brain. Um, there was some. What was I talking about earlier that I wanted to bring up, John? Besides daughters. Uh, you wanted to bring up. Crap! I and I even heard you say it too. Um, oh, the Hank Von Hell album. That's Hank right. Hank Von Hell, yeah. Because Hank got Von us in a Hell. Conversation about that. Former lead singer and founding member of Turbo Negro is back again after a long hiatus from the music industry completely. Uh, Mr. Hank Von Helvete, as he was known in that band, old band of his, is now going by Hank Von Hell. And he released a ripper of a glam rock album called Egomania that it it's far more fun than I honestly thought it would be. And yeah, it's good that you're back, Hank. Yeah, Welcome I, back. I saw an advertisement for it on Facebook and I was like, ooh, this does not look good. This looks like a like a cash grab. But you're saying it's good, so I'm definitely going to be checking it out tomorrow. Definitely not a cash grab. Uh, Hank had a lot of addiction issues that he was going in and out of while in Turbo Negro, and then he decided to just leave that band altogether after... I mean, I pretty much saw their last tour for their album Retox uh, with Hank. Um, I think He, he left I the band, done. and he was like, I'm done with rock and roll. I'm... I'm gonna make. I'm. I'm gonna be a cook now. He wrote a few cookbooks. He uh, played this prominent Norwegian guitar player in a biopic, so he got a little acting under his belt. I think he might have dabbled in Scientology, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but for whatever reason, he decided rock and roll is where he belongs, and it's what he should be doing. And I couldn't agree more. Like um, the video for 
the debut or the debut single "Bum to Bum" is a lot of fun, and it's kind of Hank poking fun out of himself, and um, he's building like a tin foil costume that he kind of used to wear, and then uh, this mysterious hooded figure comes to tell Hank that Rock is calling to you again, and then the hooded figure turns out to be Stevo, which I think is like just yeah. like a perfect <laughs> a perfect person to be like, yeah, I also went through hell traveling around the world partying way too hard but you can still travel the world and not party hard and still have a fun life and a lot of people thought that cameo was cheesy but i i, I think i got the meaning on that one and well I, I i that was uh the the little clip that i saw on uh facebook that had steve-o in it so i wasn't surprised when you said steve-o yeah it cracked me up and I don't know. The song's a lot of fun. The whole album's a lot of fun. Go check out the single Bum to Bum and buy Egomania by Hank Von Hell and catch him touring right now, coming to a city near you, because he's coming to Seattle this January. And I'm oh, I'm so ready. Me and Candy are going, and we are so ready. But anyway, yep, that's uh, that's what I've been listening to lately. So um, without cool. any further ado, do you want to get into today's album, John? I do. Well, why don't you tell um, our listeners what it is and uh, why you picked it? Because this is this is a your pick. This is the 2011 classic Arabia Mountain from the Black Lips. I picked this especially since my friend Danny, our friend Danny, had been trying to get me into this band since he discovered them in like 2002 or 2003 with their first album. Uh, I think that one was just called Black Lips, right? Yes. And I, I, I mean, I, I gave it an honest shot. I listened to the first two albums. I gave them good shots, but I just couldn't get into it. I couldn't get into the extremely lo-fi sound. I couldn't get into what I thought was uh, rudimentary songwriting. I, I, I couldn't get into – it just didn't click for me. And for years after that, he's like, you got to check out this album. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I'm done. You know, they're, they're not going to be a part of my life. That's just not how it's going to, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to be a fan. And one day I'm watching TV and a T-Mobile commercial comes on. And the song on it, I was like, whoa, holy shit, what's this? I, I, I need to figure out what it is. And so, you know, back in those days before you had SoundHound or whatever, um, whatever app you use now to, to figure out what song you're listening to that you don't know what the name is, um, I had to get a little clip of it, uh, you know, grab a little bit of the lyrics, go onto Google, type in the lyrics, and then find out who it was. And I was blown away to find out that it was Black Lips and that they had a new album out, and that was Arabia Mountain at the time. And I listened to the whole thing and I was just like, wow, this is amazing. This is what I think everyone else heard those first, like, what, five albums? Okay. And this, it, it just blew me away. I mean, this has been a mainstay. I've, you know, since gone back and, you know, given the other albums a chance and now they all made more sense. But it, it took an album like this for me to um, really get into them. And I did, very much so. My introduction to the Black Lips was kind of the same. I wasn't as adverse to you 
to uh, Danny's influence with the Black Lips as as you were. You know, I was a little more open to it, but it's still, I wasn't, Yeah, I definitely wasn't vibing on it like he was at that time, you know? I was like, yeah, a couple of these songs yeah. I really like, but... Other couple of these other ones are just suck and they're sloppy messes. I don't I don't like how these guys sound like they haven't gone through puberty. I don't get it. Like, <laughs> but then um, I went to go visit our our friend Mike, and the day I showed up in the mail, he literally had got the Black Lips live album, and yeah. we he threw that in as we were going to get lunch, and I was like, oh oh oh, that's when I got it. It was totally the live album for me. And so I picked up oh, Benny okay. Vitti Vici, or, or ah, that's a single off that album. Good, bad, not evil. <laughs> yeah, I picked up Good, it, Bad, it, Not it, Evil on my own, and I really enjoyed that. So by the time Arabia Mountain came around, I was really ready. Yeah, I, I, I think that this is the only way that it could have happened for me to really dig my claws into this band. Have you listened to because... that live album much? I haven't actually listened to the live album much. I think that um, I think I've, I think with me saying what I said, if you heard it, you'd be like, "Oh, okay." I might have also felt the same way hearing those songs from those first couple albums um, after they've been playing them for a few years. They're a little more faster paced, and you wouldn't think so, but a little club in Tijuana uh, has way better sound than whatever recording studios they were using. <laughs> Even though I know a lot of that well, lo-fi stuff is intentional, like yeah, I I you know like I said I I did I mean I went back and you know I have pretty much all of their albums in my um, except for the first one I, I I I just can't get into the first one um, but I have the second on except for the live album for some reason I just never. I, I don't know. I guess I never thought that there would be value in it, but I I've heard from other people that I need to listen to it. So I should, uh, along with the the Hank Von Hell uh, album, I I'll probably listen to the uh, live album tomorrow. I mean, yeah, like I said, for me, there I don't think there's any other way that I could have gotten into this band. I saw them after they put out Underneath the Rainbow, and it was a good time. And I recently in March saw them again, and this time had my son with uh with me and uh we got to meet cole and everything and it was really cool it was a really good time they they put on a real kick-ass performance and yeah it's it's been kind of fun you know i went a lot of the exploration of their their earlier catalog um happened over the last six months um with my kid after we saw them the last time gotcha 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 well and it doesn't surprise me at all that this album kind of spoke to you and a little more than a lot of that lo-fi stuff i mean because i mean let's just dig right into it the first track family tree just from the first three seconds of that song it's like oh wait am i i'm listening to who now i mean the guitars sound clean the drums don't sound like they're being kicked down the stairs simultaneously while they're being played like there's there's, well, some, there's some saxophone like you can hear the chords being played on the guitar. It's the the most interesting thing about this album is that it's produced by Uptown Funk himself, Mark Ronson. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what like, what little party they went to that led to them uh, talking to Mark Ronson, or or was it the work that he did on that Amy Winehouse album, which 
I, you know, I've listened to by proxy because of people I know. And man, yeah, yeah the world did kind of lose something pretty special, I think, when that woman died. Like, ah, something else. I don't know. That's not that music isn't my thing, but I was like, oh, I get it. I, yeah, damn it, too soon for sure. Like, yeah, and, and his production well, was a big part of that, doing that whole like throwback thing with the horns and putting that into mainstream the, pop music. It's pretty phenomenal. The, uh, I mean, they, they've actually had kind of a long storied history with pop stars. The, the Another really weird thing is, is that they're good friends with Kesha, of all people. And she actually invited them to open up for, I think it was five dates in 2017. And that was like either right before or right after they... Um, they release God's art or Satan or Satan's graffiti or whatever it's called. Gotcha. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. They they are one yeah, of those bands crazy. that seems like they've like I can't think of a good comparison of some just weird artsy vagabonds that aren't in the mainstream but seem to weave their way into all these weird scenes you don't think they would belong in. Yeah, well and and I mean they're just weird kids from Georgia. I, I mean, the first time I met Cole, uh, I, I, I've always kind of had really bad experiences meeting people that I enjoy their music. And so when I saw Cole just kind of standing there jamming out to King Con and the barbecue show, um, I walked up to him and I was like, hey, man, would it really would it bum you out if I if I got a picture with you? And he turns around. And he's like, no, man, not at all. Hey, uh do you have any drugs? And I was like, uh, no, but I really wish I did. Like, <laughs> so we could do them together. Yeah. Like that, that would have been like the most rock and roll story of all. It's kind of like time. I smoked pot backstage with the drummer of the berserker at a Nile show. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Metal cred. Well, did I <laughs> speaking Speaking of uh, smoking pot, which I, I mean, I, I don't usually, um, and I didn't in this instance either. Um, I was there a few years ago. I hate God came to town, mm-hmm. and uh, I checked them out. And the one of the first things that happened while I'm standing outside smoking a cigarette, the bassist comes out of the venue. He's like, "Hey." Do you know where I could get some papers? And he just like looks at me. He's like, "You'll know." And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, right across the street. There's a place called the Truckers Union. You can get papers there." And he's like, "Cool. You want to get high?" And I'm like, "No, no, that's cool." <laughs> but I ended up hanging out. Like, uh, I mean, actually, that that night I I hung out with Steve Austin from uh, Today's the Day, and I hung out with the bassist. I have a couple of pictures from that show that are like my favorite pictures of all time. Uh. Steve Austin from Today is the Day. All I can do is imagine him just like screaming in your face the whole time. Yeah, I just, mean, hey, nice intense. to meet you. <laughs> the even the, the weirdest thing about it too was uh, at the end of the show. Oh, the other thing that happened too was uh, the singer from Exhumed. I kept talking to him, and I'm I don't remember what I was saying because I was really fucked up by the time I was talking to him. <laughs> And I, all I know is I was making him like falling laugh, on your like, face in a point. pizza place, fucked up. Or? Yeah, yeah, no, not quite that fucked up, but pretty <laughs> close. But, <laughs> whatever I was saying to the dude from Exhumed, he was geeking out hardcore. He thought I was like the funniest guy alive, and I, I can't remember a fucking thing from it, but whatever. Anyway, uh, 
the I went up. I was going to go up to the singer from I Hate God and tell him, you know, how awesome they were. And there was some big fight because I guess uh, Steve Austin thought that they were hitting him out of money, and um, he uh, they were they were going through some big fight because of it because Steve Austin was mad about the pay he got or whatever. And the singer from from I Hate God, I mean, I'm sure you've seen him. He's yeah. a tiny motherfucker. I mean, yeah. he's shorter than I am. Yeah, it's a little sickly. And, a little sickly fellow, uh, <laughs> shorter than me, and I am not tall. And I walked up to him. I was, you know, I was gonna say, "Hey, man, you guys did awesome." He turns around. He's like, "Hey, buddy, where do you get off right now?" And I'm like, I- "I'm sorry, man." He's like, "Yeah, why don't you just go mind your fucking business?" And I'm like, oh, "Okay." So I just like walked away. And he came up to me later. He's like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to go off on you like that. But, you know, we're going through some shit. You came up at the wrong time. And I'm like, are you apologizing or are you still yelling at me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a crazy night. Make up your mind, junkie. Come on. Yeah, exactly. That's not. All right. I had I had a big conversation with the basis of today's day. I was like, dude, is he still fucking doing dope or what? And he's like, no, he's been clean. And then you know, a couple of years later, we saw what happened. I don't I don't think it was clean at all. Yeah, sounds like a break. Anyway, we're way yeah. off subject. We almost got into we talking are. about the first track. Almost yeah. that fucking close. <laughs> all right, let's but, uh, get like into a, this album. So, Family Tree, the opener. I was saying it starts off with a really showcasing a cleaner sound. I just love the saxophone in this song. I think it's a great opening number. It uh it kind of def- yeah. it, it kind of defeats our streak of mission statement songs opening albums, but that's okay. I you know, honestly, it kind of by the way, did you play a clip from this? No, we're all over the place. Talking about metal yeah, bands was... really threw me off. Let's hear a tiny yeah. little tiny tiny Eatsy, beatsy, teeny, winny. I'm not stalling at all to scroll back up. Little baby bit of family tree. And here's a little taste of it. So yeah, that nice cleaner sound. It's really warm feeling where the before a lot of black lips sounded just muddy and and, and cloudy and while most of the time pleasant to me, like this is just there's something just different radiating off of this album right from the get go. Yeah, it's clean the 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 and you know I would say that this is kind of a mission statement. I mean, this is them saying, Hey, you know, We've kind of cleaned up our act a little bit. It's not going to be the 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 trash that you know we were playing before. You know, and I'm not saying trash isn't bad. Trash in a good way, you know, because that that was the sound that they were going for before. They're kind of saying, "Hey, we learned how to play our instruments. We're we're writing real songs now." You know. Yes, I feel you on that, and um, I don't know. This is just a, a good song. This one doesn't hit me like in any emotional or motivational one. It's just kind of one of those songs when um one of my coworkers Jane, if she puts on garage rock radio, and I hear this one start, I just get all excited because I'm like, thankfully something good being played at work. 
<laughs> it's I mean, it, it it's a it's a pump you up kind of song. I mean it's it's weird when I hear people talk about music that gets them pumped up at the gym or whatever, and they'll tell me, "Oh yeah, you know, I listen to Disturbed and I listen to Breaking Benjamin," and I'm like, "What about that is getting you pumped up?" I mean, th this to me is the kind of song that gets me pumped up and ready to go. I mean, I could run two miles on this. It, it it's just crazy, you know. Yeah, this is like a brushing your teeth and shaving, getting ready to go out to the. To the bar, I was about to say to the club, like I go to yeah. dance clubs or something. Well, I go to the club. I'm always in the club. Just call me Mister Fifty Cent. <laughs> okay, John. No more of that. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, I'll just lay in the corner. <laughs> you can kick me when I need to to interject something. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a lot to say about this song. I don't have a deep personal connection with it or anything. I just really like it. Yeah, I, I actually a lot of this is going to be uh, I really like this. Uh, this album for me as well didn't have, you know, it, it, there isn't like huge personal connections. But I mean, with the exception that, you know, I love to listen to it with my son. But, you know, this it's just a fucking fun, good, catchy as catchy as fuck album. <laughs> you don't say, do you, John? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's move into the next tune. Let's move into the next tune and hear a little tiny baby bit of modern art. So this is the best song about taking drugs and going to art museums that I've ever heard. How about you, John? Yeah, <laughs> it. I mean, it, the, the, this song too. It, it, the way that this album starts is pretty perfect. We have had a streak of albums that have like perfect openings, and the one-two punch of Family Tree and Modern Art is pretty much perfection. I mean, this is. It's garage. They they did garage rock here better than any of the revivalists have done it to this point. And it has like every single little element of weird garage rock. I mean, for in a substitute for kind of like keyboard, you have that strange little um, what is that xylophone? Not a xylophone, is it? A little chimey I, thing. It sounds like a children's yeah. toy to me. It's either a xylophone or like like a glockenspiel. I think we've had this conversation about uh, yeah, I didn't instruments take, like I, that before. I took art classes. I didn't. I didn't do band, so I don't. I don't know all these yeah, instruments. Is what you call them? Classes. You should have been taking band classes like us tough guys. <laughs> but um, what I love about this song is um, for you were saying about just like this being the ultimate garage rock song, kind of like. None of the revivalists come close to it. I couldn't agree more because, yeah, it has all those elements like the weird little chimey children's toyish xylophone. It has the guy playing the singing saw, which it sounds oh, like yeah. a theremin. There's a theremin later on in the album, but that's definitely a singing saw. And then they have very yeah. sparse hand claps that aren't just with the beat or anything. They're like every four count, yeah. just one, just like. Well, and. A tambourine and, and some maracas, and I'm just like every little element of 
yeah, it's just oh, it's so packed full, but everything's used sparingly. So yeah, and it doesn't yeah, get all blue oyster culty where you're just focusing on the quote unquote cowbell. You know, it's just yeah, oh, I love it. Uh, seeing these guys live when they do this one, well, when they do most of their songs, they're kind of just like you know, it's almost like they're they're bursting with energy. You know, they're 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 kind of you know hopping in place, and um, especially uh, uh, Jared, um, he is you know just constantly you know just plucking that bass and you know kind of just hopping in place and, and bopping his head and and every time i hear this i mean it just reminds me of seeing them do it live um yeah it's it's just awesome and that and that fucking just banger of a lead that just never stops throughout the entire song like i just yeah. love and that just are, just hopping around masters. just just it never stops the whole time it just keeps on going like and i just oh it just they it gets are masters me masters of those kinds of leads like that that is uh, something that that permeates their whole sound you know it's something that they tried to start early on but they perfected it on this album and it is a huge part of their sound and i i love it i do too and this has a pretty pretty weird music video as well should go check it out. I Other, know I've seen it, but I forgot. I always get the one for the, this one movie. in Family Tree mixed up. I can't remember which one is the really gross one. I think it's Family Tree is the really gross one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the one that I really remember is Raw. I think it's Raw Meat with uh, the, one the, the dude from Kids. Yeah, you, you know who that is, right? That One of the cops? Is that Telly? Yeah. So what's his name from so the anyway, wire? Let, yo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that that's yeah. Let's uh, if you have nothing else to say about this song, let's get into the next one. Yep, not just just that I love it, and um, yeah, let's move on to a, a sad little number called Spidey's Curse. So, about this song, I know in the lead-up to us talking about this album, I had kind of hinted at that this is one of my least favorite songs on the album. And uh, I gotta yeah. say, I did my own little research uh, through various interviews and uh, just little articles or whatever. And I found out that this song is based on a weird um, government-produced like sex ed kind of comic book that got put out alongside marvel yeah where, it is one of the and, weirder stories about a song <laughs> that i think i've ever heard yeah, and cole was kind of explaining it that there was this story in it where um this kid's getting babysat by his like by this older girl who's babysitting him and then she tries to get all frisky and flirty with him but then spidey spider-man kind of comes in and stops the whole thing and that just yeah. sounds like i want to find a copy of it so bad just to see this weird <laughs> relic of Marvel trying to save their company in the late eighties and early nineties. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of weird. The, the PSAs that we would all be put through it during that time. I, I remember seeing some weird stuff, but nothing quite as weird as that. Yeah. That really takes it to a whole new level. 
But um, I gotta say, yeah. after learning that that's what the song was based on, I'm like, oh, okay, this is more fun to me now. For whatever reason, I'm like, it was just like, you're just gonna write a song about how much it sucks to be the Peter Parker version of Spider-Man? Like, that's pretty fucking lame. Like, isn't that U2's territory anyway? <laughs> yeah, like, no, this wasn't just a song about how it sucked to be Peter Parker. Yeah, was, and now was, I find out that, you know, well, now I, it makes me like it way better finding out that it was kind of based on this really strange, subversive kind of thing for kids. Yeah, well, and, and they even mention it at the end of it. They're almost kind of making fun of themselves for... Um, writing the song about such a you know weird topic what do you mean by that that I went mean, over the, my head well because the the there's a guy at the end and he's like they're conjuring these demons and you know it's it's uh it says something about you know they're doing this in this song and someone goes whoa that's far out man or something like that <laughs> um and then it cuts right into mad dog but I mean, <laughs> see, I took that as totally different. I took that as that's the intro to Mad Dog because at the end of it, the dude's just like because Mad Dog's kind of like weirdly about. Um, I mean, we'll get into it, but I mean, I mean, fuck it. You're you ready to move on from Spidey's Curse? You ready to move into Mad Dog? Because I'd really yeah, like to just play I, I, that. I intro. just wanted. I I was. I'm glad to 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 hear that you like Spidey's Curse better now. Yep, I came around. Uh, yeah, I got to admit, I came. I came around. But um, yeah, yeah let's, let's go into Mad Dog. Let's hear a little bit of the end of Spidey's Curse, which has this intro that we're talking about, and the track Mad Dog will start with the saxophone, just so our uh, unfamiliar listeners know what's going on here. These demons, man. Holy shit. Oh, dude, it's way insane. That's gnarly. Dude, trip out on this. Mad Dog slays, dude. I absolutely love this song. I love the way that that intro <laughs> goes into it. <laughs> dude! Because <laughs> I almost imagine if there was some cheesy music video, he'd be like, dude, trip out on this! And then he'd like start playing it, and the background would fall out, and there the band would be. Well, did, did you get what I... Do you understand what I was getting at, where they were like talking about the, the subversive content of Spidey's Curse? Yes, I do. But I disagree, because the lyrical content... I think it's more about the song Mad Dog, because the lyrical content is kind of a, a satire on how uh, evil rock and roll can affect your brain and turn you into a crazy killer. I think we'll have to agree to disagree at this point. Because, I mean, but... he's saying, like, you know, drop the needle, you'll discover Judas Priest will kill your brother. Like... Well, yeah, yeah, but... but um, And then he's talking about just, we're conjuring up these demons and these songs, and then, dude, trip out on this! And then it's a whole song about what that guy was just talking about. Well, I guess, maybe. I always thought it was about Spidey's curse. Anyway, Mad Dog fucking rules. That's really all we need to know. Yeah, and I love it that it starts with that swanky kind of saxophone. And saxophone oh, yeah, is one of those I mean... where it just sounds like... Most music with a saxophone in it sounds like, oh, this is just another version of the SNL theme. Like, I just, yeah, it sounds so but... corny and new 80s New York to me. And few bands really, like, nailed it. 
with throwing it in there, and I feel like the Stooges really killed it on Funhouse with the saxophone that's on there. And then it just kind of disappeared cool. for a while. I mean, some bands yeah. would have a saxophone player, but it would just, I don't know, it wasn't used to... It was used a fantastical effect rather than a rhythm instrument like it's being used on this song. Yeah, well, actually, a lot of, like, some of the greater rock and roll albums are, are really have a lot of saxophone. You, you just can't tell because of the distorted nature in what they use it, in which they use it. Like, I mean, the New York Dolls used a lot of saxophone. Uh, oh, the Ramones yeah. used a lot of saxophone. Uh, but Roxy because music. it blended in with the guitars, Roxy Music used saxophone. And it, it, I mean, the reason why, you know, you've got that image, because that's what most people associate a saxophone with is the cheesy 80s, you know, like, uh, it, you know, like yawny kind of stuff, you know, but the saxophone can be used in, I mean, and was used to great effect in a lot of early rock and roll, and it still permeates, you just not, a, it, it, it just doesn't stand out as well when it's put up next to a, a distorted guitar. Um, I, although you know, I do have to say that the greatest saxophone use of a saxophone in a song is uh, Jerry Rafferty's um, Baker Street. <laughs> I don't know, man. Don't scoff at me, motherfucker! I'll I'll jump. I'll I will Sorry. drive over to Washington. I will fucking kick your. I mean, ass. I, I mean, I, it's it, a. You're not wrong, but b. It's also very cliche of you to say that. I'm just gonna point that out. <laughs> Um, but no, sorry, I chuckled because me and my coworker have this, we had this dude that used to work at my job that was very, very into classic rock, like, to yeah. an, like he was one of those guys that would refer to classic rock guys by their first name, be like, oh, dude, this new, this new live album that Elton put out, fucking classic, you know, he was one of those guys. Oh, Jimmy? Oh, yeah, man, I love Jimmy, his Star Spangled Banner, you know, like, calling everybody by the first yeah, name. Yeah. And um, <laughs> like I do, I mean, like when, I did, when I, me and my dad talk about Pink Floyd, we're always like, "Yeah, Raj, Raj put on a good show." Yeah, and you guys are corny for it, so I mean, yeah, doesn't make you the know. worst person in the world, but hey, you don't do it with everybody. That's all I'm saying. Eat it's, a bag of dicks. Cool, it's cool. <laughs> all I have is coffee, so I'll just drink that. <laughs> But um, drink a I, cup I, of coffee, whatever. <laughs> I chuckled because there was this one time at work, Baker Street came on. And I always remembered it from um, when I used to listen to Howard Stern when I was younger because it, it would do the it was just this dumb little <laughs> drop that they would have. And I knew it from yeah. that. And then it was coming on at work on the classic rock Pandora. And I was just like, hey, who is this song by anyway? Like I was honestly acting like I don't I don't know. Somebody please let me know because I don't know who to if I wanted to look it up, I wouldn't even know. You know, just an honest question, not a not a critical one by any means. Yeah. And this dude just turns to me and he goes, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Rafferty? <laughs> like, like I was the biggest fucking idiot in the world. And I was like, okay, okay, Jimmy Rafferty, gotcha. So I can't hear his name without chuckling, because we still do it to this day. I get it. I uh, get it. That's pretty funny. Jimmy Rafferty? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That sounds like someone, and I don't know who. It sounds like he, it was like very comic book guy from Simpsons. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Of him, like, and it was in that voice, too, like the, uh, yeah, anyway. But, um, anyway, <laughs> gosh, all right, I love that we're getting off subject. It's, it's fun. 
but we got to get yeah. back on to it. Yeah, but I also got to drop that my favorite saxophone song, if it's not uh, Fun House by the Stooges, um, it's fucking Edge of Glory by Lady Gaga, dude. That, Ew. That, oh, yeah, yeah, you can hate it all you want. Or or here's one if just for you. They will like a look. Midnight City by M83. Oh, M83. Yeah, that's a great song. I love that song. I got I got to see them at Bumper Shoot a number of years ago when they were uh, touring for that album and it was cool because just they they closed with Midnight City, you know, and everybody's going nuts cuz it's a great song and it's a banger and it's just super loud and key arena and it was just a, they put on a great set. And right for the saxophone yeah. solo, literally this dude just bolted out from the side of the stage just in time to start playing it. And the crowd, John, went like ape shit. Like it was like John Lennon's zombie wandered onto stage. Everybody just freaked the fuck out. Like, yeah, it's not a play recording. Oh. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. And I, I do have to admit that I was one of them too, because I honestly thought, oh, they're gonna do some keyboard synth sax or have a pre-recorded. Nope, he just bolted out. It was just like, yeah. This is what I paid for. <laughs> You're like, all right, guys, we can go home. We saw the sex solo. <laughs> the second he walks out, the place just empties. Yeah. But um, they're like, bump and shoot's over, guys. Sex solo's over. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, it's Friday and it's two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> come back, uh, come back hey. in an hour, and uh, Puff Daddy will be saying. Say what, say what, for about two minutes. <laughs> was he there that year? No, I was just trying to think of another wow. thing that people would... Never mind. It wasn't that good of a joke. Let's move on to talk about Mad Dog. I think this song's a lot of fun. Like, I just... I love anything. I mean, just because of my love of rock music and growing up in a Christian household that luckily wasn't under the iron foot of rock and roll is the devil's music. It was. It was pretty... Like, looking back on it, I get why I wasn't allowed to listen to what I was, you know, like, uh, Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails. I'm like, oh, I get it. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, you didn't want your seventh grade son necessarily listening to songs about S&M and, yeah, all the, all the fun pictures in the Antichrist Superstar booklet of certain medical equipment being hooked up to certain part bodies with hoses going up to mouths. <laughs> Jesus trying a little hard are we so i i understand oh, wow. that but i absolutely just love any of the um, like when behind the music would come on i loved any time they'd talk about some band getting in trouble for some kid doing something stupid because of some lyrics he heard and it's like that's not the band's fault that's just a really dumb kid yeah exactly i don't know this song's just a lot of fun for me sorry for ranting there listeners what do you what do you feel about mad dog now that we're talking about it again uh i think it's amazing it's a great song it's lots of fun it's another you know big bopper that the uh they really did follow a good sequencing for this album you know starting out with a banger and then another banger slowing it down with spidey's curse and then coming out with this banger but why don't we go ahead and move on to the next one that slows it down a little bit because this is actually one of my favorite albums on the or songs on the album Oh, all right. Well, it looks like we will have a bit of a, a disagreement on our opinions of Mr. Driver. Let's hear a little bit of that. Yeah, I 
tell me why you like this song. Let me guess, you don't like it? It's not one of my favorites, and hearing that it's one of yours is surprising, so... Well, first of all, I love the feeling. I love that it's, you know, a little bit more calm. It's dreamier, but it's also very psychedelic. So it's actually probably the most psychedelic song on the album. Um, It's mostly for the reasons that it's one of my favorites on the album is the fact that it uh, has probably one of the best choruses I've ever heard. I love this chorus. And the way that it flows into the verse and out of the verse, it it's, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's just a... Go, go, go ahead, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 no you go, sir. No, I was going to say it's structured really well. And I, I can't disagree with you there. But I just it just doesn't grab me. You know? I, I don't know. Oh. This is, I mean, this is a... We didn't talk about how this is a very long album. There are, there are 16 it's... songs on it. Well, which is longer okay, than what they usually do, and usually yeah. longer than I prefer with bands like this. I like you yeah. know, a nice tight ten songs, and I I do feel like maybe they could have trimmed a little fat from this and left them some of them as B sides. And I hate to say it, but Mr. Driver is one of those on the board for me. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the album itself is only forty one minutes. It's not like it's a super long album, and that um, is a trip. But it's still, I just. And that's just my opinion. I'm not saying it. Yeah, it's an objective thing. Like this needs the fat trimmed from it. I'm just like, I was in this band. I would have championed. Less well, it's this. a good thing you weren't in this band because I would have been <laughs> mad at you. <laughs> not like I haven't been mad at you before. <laughs> good thing I'm not in this band because guys, do we really need to do so many drugs this time? Come on, let's just have a sober yeah. album. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Now we just sound like bad religion. <laughs> All right. If you have nothing else to say about this uh, song, we it's can fine. go to the next one. It's fine. I mean, I'm not trying to rip on it. I don't think it's a bad song. It just was surprising to me to hear that it's one of your favorites. That's all. All right. Now we get to move on to one of my favorite songs by this band. Period. And let's hear a little bit of Bicentennial Man. That sample was a little heavy on the solo, but I'm glad that I showcased that because I think the solo in this song just absolutely shreds. And for a band that's not really known for, oh man, what a sick solo. I mean, they play some pretty trippy leads and some pretty catchy ones at that sometimes. But I mean, I mean, this the, every song on this album so far is just kind of showing a little bit of a new dimension for this band. Like, I mean, one benefit to Mr. Driver that I guess I am just now realizing while speaking out loud about Bicentennial Man is that it's a perfect exercise in the Black Lips being subdued with having a really together song, which is something they never really did too often. There would always be a very psychedelic element to a slow song, and they'd never really let it breathe. It would always be, you know, uh, just drenched in weird effects and... Just, yeah, yeah, just different trippy nonsense. 
Now, but, I'm actually really surprised that you said that this is one of your favorite songs of all time by them, because I actually think that this is one of the weaker songs on the uh, the album, mostly because it sounds so much like Secret Agent Man. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> you just ruined the song for me. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but I heard it a long time ago. I mean, it's it's not like I hate this song. I, I still obviously listen to it uh, when I listen to the whole album. I mean, there, there really isn't anything on this album that I, I I can't stand. But, you know, if it pops up on shuffle, I, I, I will skip through this one. See, I thought you were going to say you didn't like this song because when you listen to it the first time, you realize that it wasn't about the Robin Williams movie of the same name. <laughs> yeah well i guess not. <laughs> but no i absolutely love this song because um i'm a big fan of breakup songs i find a really good breakup song to be super empowering for lots of different situations whether it be like losing a job or saying fuck you to a former acquaintance or going through a breakup yeah they just i don't know they they speak to me and bicentennial man is one of those just like yeah, I am who I am, and that's what I'm going to be, and you ain't changing, I'm ain't changing, I ain't changing, so uh, this is where we split, and it's not sad, it's really empowering, like, nope, this is just how things are, and I don't know, it's a little sassy, too, and it's 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 just a very a very light middle finger in the direction of the person that he's singing to, you know? Yeah. No, not an I hate you, but politely, fuck off, just go away. <laughs> <laughs> we're done here right <laughs> aren't we yes okay but yeah love it and i love the solo in it i love the the lead that nice little i don't know reminds me yeah of, reminds me of like some sort of weird honky-tonk lead a little bit we should move on to the next song if you don't have anything else to say i don't let's hear a little bit of go out and get it So this song, I absolutely love it, and its music video definitely goes on my top ten videos of, like, I wish I was there, and it looks like so much fun everybody's having at this music video shoot. <laughs> That's crazy. They're like, just going out and getting it. They're just, and it's, ah, uh, and this song is just so inspirational to me. Like, if this is one of those, like, just, ah, uh, it, 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 this is one that speaks to me big time. I absolutely love this song. Yeah, it's a good one, and it's very catchy. Um, I think, you know, the the problem that I do kind of have with Bicentennial Man and Go Out and Get It is they they sound very different from the other ones, and that is due to the fact that they weren't produced by Ronson. It was uh, produced by Lockett Punt from uh, Deer Hunter. And, yeah, I mean, you, you can tell that, I mean, there's... It almost, I, I think probably any problems that I do have with this song and, and Bicentennial Man, I think it interrupts the flow of the other songs, which are a little bit more tighter put together and a little bit better produced. Okay. Okay. I see your, I see your criticism yeah. there. 
I understand what you mean. Like for the flow of the album, I couldn't. Yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with you. But I just. I yeah. think this is a really good song. I think it's a really well put together pop song, and it's one of those songs that kind of showcases like the Black Lips can not do any of that messy stuff at all and still write a killer tune that's super fun. Yeah. But have you ever seen this music video? I don't think so. <laughs> it's just them hanging out with a bunch of like pretty girls and dudes and they're having fun on a cruise ship and going down water slides and hanging out at the beach. I I, I will have to go. I didn't realize. I mean, I knew that there was... Four videos I, think I, wa- I, I know I watch... Five. It's Family Tree... Modern art. modern art, right? Yeah. Um, raw meat. And then raw meat. Go out and, and get it. New direction. Oh, okay. For some reason, I, I must, I, I've only seen two of those. Oh. I don't even think I've seen the video for New Direction. Now, I was very into the videos that they put out for the songs on uh, Underneath the Rainbow. Absolutely loved the one for Funny. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to have to check those out after I, after we get done with those. Do you have anything else to say about Go Out and Get It? No, just that I really I really do love it. I love that song a lot. Yeah. That's cool. I couldn't be happier to tell I... the world about it. <laughs> I am happy for you, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's move on to uh, the next song. A creepy little number called Raw Meat. And, uh... This song is kind of like, hey, what if the Ramones wrote about really gr- gross food instead of being in New York all the time? <laughs> yeah, I love this song. Oh, it's great. I love this song so much. The 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 whistles in it and everything. And this is one of the songs that I do not know any of the lyrics to, except for like fresh maggots on my teeth. And I, I will sing I will sing along. And I'll just make up sounds and words, and I'm just so happy whistling in my car whenever I'm listening to this. Uh, this song got me into Texas Pete hot sauce. Yeah? Yeah, it's fucking delicious. Screw Tabasco. <laughs> Texas Pete. If that's what you want, if that's I... the st- if that Tabasco style is what you're looking for, uh-uh. Texas Pete. Go get that Texas Pete. It, it, yeah. Is that in wide distribution? I believe so. I mean, these guys are from Georgia, and they had it over there, and we have it in Washington, so I would, I would think so. I'll have to check it out the next time I'm in the market for some hot sauce. Yeah. It's a, it's delicious. I don't know. This song is a blast. There's not much to say about it. These lyrics are just kind of disgusting. He's just talking about yeah. a bunch of disgusting combinations of food. It's very... The whole song is very cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, this song is so fun that the lyrics could be, uh, I pledge to give the Black Lips every dollar I make for the rest of my life. And, you know, by singing these words, I have actually signed a document that is, you know, legally binding. And I'd still be like, yep, I'm going to sing it because this song is catchy as all fuck. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Do you have anything else to say about raw meat? I do not. Right on, right on. Well, let's move on to the next track, which its placement on the album is conflicting to me, but we'll get into that. 
Here's a uh, real fun number called Bone Marrow and I love Bone Marrow. This song is such a blast. I just want to say that I was saying what I said about its placement on the album and why it was confusing to me, because I feel like this should have been either the very first or the very last song. Yeah, it it does. I think for the longest time, I actually thought that this was the last song on the album. You know, I, I apparently get confused, especially since a lot of my album listening nowadays is done while on shuffle. And it just always seemed like it was the last song of the album. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it 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 has that feel to it, like. Yeah, I mean, but it is it's a very fun song, and the clapping along is awesome. Yeah, and I love it's one of those songs that um I love songs that kind of build piece by piece. First, it's the drum, then it's the bass and the claps, then it's a little guitar lead, then the rhythm guitar. You know, like it's just, and then by the end of it, you're just. Yeah, this song was kind of built up in front of you, and by the end of it, you're just shaking your ass to the completed product. I really, I really like when bands do that kind of thing every now and then. Well, and it al- almost really has it almost has like a Beach Boys feel to it with that uh, what theremin in there. Yeah, and that's a that's Mr. Sean Lennon who would go on to produce one of their later albums, playing that theremin. Oh, he's on this album. Yep, playing the theremin. Oh, nice! I did not know that. And then uh, Mark Ronson, I believe, on this song and Modern Art. Um, did like the tambourine? I read correctly. Oh, well, I uh, I don't think that the tambourine would have sounded, you know, as good if it wasn't for Mark Ronson there. No, yeah, it's like that. That dude just knows where to put those things sonically. It seems like. <laughs> I thought you were being serious, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> no, I was not being serious. I was trying to <laughs> tambourines. I was, are... <laughs> I was almost sitting here trying to bullshit back up your crappy point. <laughs> it would be, be like, like I mean it's almost it's almost like something that they would do like what if they had David Bowie on there like yeah we got David Bowie to play the tambourine because no one else can play the tambourine like David Bowie <laughs> yeah it's kind of like as much as I love Dave Grohl it's kind of like with guest, guest drums by Dave Grohl I'm like Ooh. Like, <laughs> well, but like, like it's, you know, tambourines are pretty simple. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like when we saw the Misfits, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, guess who's drumming for the Misfits right now? Oh, who? Dave Lombardo. And you're like, well, why? Shouldn't he be doing a little more? Like, yeah. <laughs> eh, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was cool. You could have not paid somebody that much money. <laughs> Just get somebody yeah. from a fucking local band. Get the drummer from Balzac or whatever. <laughs> oh, all right. But, if um, you have nothing else to say, uh, let's go on to the lie.
So I think what it is for me with this song and why I don't care for it, I think it's Ian St. Pay's or vocals. Well, I, I, I actually, because you, you cut out again while you were uh, talking, I thought you said that this was your favorite song on the album. And I was like, uh, I don't think this is anyone's favorite song on the album. Oh, You're, no. We're definitely going to have a, an argument about this. Oh, no, least, least. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say this. This, if if it was up to me, this is the one that we I would keep off. Although apparently, um, for some reason, this made it into Need for Speed. But whatever. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I bet it's I some. I bet it's some fan who was sick of all the shitty hip hop he had to put on the soundtrack, being like, oh, "I bet I could make the Black Lips some money." Because if I had a job at a video game company, you know, I'd be trying to do shit like that. Be like, I bet I could get Mutoid Man in the next Madden game. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you know, actually, some of those those uh, like baseball games, they have some really odd choices. I mean, that's that's how I uh, heard Darker My Love was because of a baseball game. I don't know if you ever got into Darker My Love, but Darker My Love is amazing. Yeah, I don't know. Their band, that name of the band, just sounds like I should avoid them. They sound like they would uh, open we'll, for we'll Black Veil later. Brides. No. Uh, <laughs> we will talk later. One of their albums is going to come up at some point. Okay. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, the lie. Um, all I wrote for my notes on this song was blah slash meh. <laughs> I, just I think that perfectly sums it up. And you, you know I really don't like this song because usually anything with that like Hammond organ in it, I am just like all about it's yeah. it's one of those instruments that immediately is just like yep that sound i love that sound give me anything with that in it and i'll like it to a certain degree uh, yeah but i don't know it just doesn't do it this song i don't know it's it's just there's something even when the black lips were writing about a serious subject or something sad there was always this playfulness there was always like this this immature sensibility to whatever to whatever was being sung about. And this yeah. song is just all serious to me. Like it's just there's nothing tongue in cheek. There's nothing yeah. fun. There's no there's no yeah. there's no sleight of hand with the uh with the words, you know, it's just it's called the lie. And Yeah. And <laughs> it's too long too. Yeah, it has deftone syndrome where it's just like, do we need to repeat this chorus this many times? Like really? <laughs> This song could be half the duration and way better if you would just cut it off. Good lord. Deftone syndrome. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next one. Let's move on to time. I really uh, enjoy this song. Let's hear a little bit of time. Now, about, like all the throwback kind of garagey songs, this is one of the few to me that if somebody came along and was just like, "Oh, have you ever heard this Kinks song?" They could play it for me and I'd be like, "Oh no, wow, this is the Kinks, huh? Pretty good, yeah." And like, I don't know, it just sounds, it sounds like it's from 1969, but without any of the artifice of trying to sound like it's from 1969. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, it's pretty effortlessly like going for its target. I I this is this is such a great and catchy tune. Um I mean, I know I've had conversations with my dad where a lot of the times I'm like, "Hey, you should check out this band. They kind of sound like something you'd listen to when you were growing up." And he'd be like, "Uh, I don't need to hear people from now rehashing what was then, you know." And I'm like, "Yeah, sometimes I get it, but this feels like this should have came out in 1968 or 69." See, yeah, and I never got why people say that about, "I don't need to hear a rehashed version." I'm like, "But it's a better version most of the time, especially with garage rock revival." Because so many of those bands back then were just trying to write a hit single and didn't have the freedom to be experimental. I mean, every now and then you'd get something like 13th Floor Elevators. You, you know, it was mostly just, you know, two-minute, 30-second radio rock. And it would just kind of have trippy sounds so the so the hippie kids would be into this pop, but... Yeah, no, I know, I, but, I mean, to them, you know, they grew up with it, they experienced it already... I, to me, I'm just like, you know, the, the, why, why mess with a, a good formula? Like if it, if it's, if it's working, don't fix it or whatever, you know, how a bunch of cliched phrases. Uh, this is why I, I tend to like bands when they do it well. If they're just, you know, if they're, if there's nothing original about the band, um, yeah, if it's some sort of like yeah, Greta Van Fleet situation. Although, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not head over heels in love with them, but uh, when I've heard them on the radio, I haven't been like, oh my God, I need to turn this off. Like I am with most of the things I've heard on the radio nowadays. Well, no, I just, I just mean that it's, that that it's just, it's, 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 it is very derivative. Yeah. It's just mimicking. It's just literally, that's all that band is. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I like this song. I think it has the kink stamp all over it and it's for the benefit of the jam. So, yes. Yeah, do you have anything else to say about I'm? Nope. Right on. Well, let's move on to the next song and hear a little bit of Dumpster Dive. That's what it's called. <laughs> It's funny because I started the sample on the little guitar solo, which is the only part of the song I actually like. <laughs> so it felt on the weird. little guitar what solo. Oh, but you know, I know you don't like this song. It's just like I don't know. It's just like what, whatever, Cole. You knew you, man. Whatever. You you need to write a song about how you live in a dumpster. I guess you need to write a song about <laughs> how you live in a dumpster. I, I guess... think the chorus is fun. I mean, the chorus is fun. It's a good chorus. It, it does start out pretty, you know, like uh, uh, lackluster, but like I said, chorus is fun. I like the chorus. I, I'm not going to change your mind on this. I'm not trying to, but I like this song. Yeah, I mean, it's not the worst. I just don't care. It's, I mean, it's whatever. Like I said, this album could use some fat trimmed from it, and this would definitely be another one on there for me. Yeah, I this one wouldn't I wouldn't be as sad to see it go as I would uh Mr. Driver. You know, and one thing about the Black Lips, um and especially Cole's and Jared's vocals, but more Cole's vocal stylings is that, mm-hmm. you know, that thing where they 
they both kind of respectively suck at singing in their own separate yeah. ways. They're really as as much as I enjoy them at vocalists, uh, scientifically they are bad singers. <laughs> but I feel like with this yeah. song, like you know, and a lot of the times you hear their voices kind of cracking, and but this is the only song really where it feels forced. Like Cole is trying really hard to make sure he sings Cole. You know, like it's just it's, well, it's you it know, sounds like it's trying too hard. I mean, this whole album know. is them not doing this, and all of a sudden, towards the end of it, there's like all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, just well, it's to give it a kind of a country twang. Yeah, um, I just think it failed because they they've done that yeah. before and since, and it's worked to better effect. I guess, like on the underneath the rainbow, isn't there like a country song on there, and it's one of the best songs. I'm of course, yes. and there's a there's a couple of countryish songs on there, but yeah, just, if you're done ragging on dumpster dive, I'm willing to move on to a new direction. Well, it's just with songs like this, it's I feel like this song wouldn't have been out of place on one of their first couple albums, but now they got an album produced by Mark Ronson, and it's kind of like their, you know, big, you know, putting them on the map album, so to speak. Yeah. And, after a certain amount of success, you can't write songs about living in dumpsters anymore, you know? It's like Lars Fredrickson of Rancid, like, writing about living on the streets, and it's just like, well, you, you, you haven't really done that for 30 years, though, have you? Like, let's be, let's be real. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm well, not buying it. I'm not buying it, bro. If you sing about just doing drugs, and then you're in a dumpster, okay. But if you're just already in a dumpster, Cole, no. You gotta, you gotta write about how you did drugs first, and now you're in a dumpster. For... Yeah, I agree. And it's really picky and not All well right. thought out, but that's how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's move on to New Direction. Let's move on to Nude Erection. I'll say it. This is how I feel. This is the best Black Lips song. It's perfect in every way. I am going to have to disagree just on the fact that it's the best Black Lips song. Yeah, I know. I mean, just... it's a perfect song. It's a great song. I love this song. Uh, I did, uh, the first time I saw them at the First Avenue in Minneapolis, there was this uh, charging station that was sponsored by T-Mobile, and I took a picture of it and I said, I captioned it, how funny is this that this thing is, nobody's going to get this, but how funny is it that this is at the Black Lips show? Are they just sponsored by T-Mobile now? <laughs> and nobody got it. And, uh, you know, I moved on, but I thought it was a funny joke. <laughs> Very funny. Very smart. Yes. Like a New Yorker cartoon, but, John. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, I really love this song. Yeah, this is the song that, um, I mean, listening to this album, I, you know, when I bought it, I, I really enjoyed it. It was like, ah, cool. Yeah, I'm liking these Black Lips songs, some more than others, but but then when it hit this song, yeah, I, I was just like, holy crap, these guys have really stepped up their game. It's just such a fun, perfect pop song. 
and it sh- it shreds. It's energetic as hell, and there's not a piece of negativity to be found in it. Mm-hmm. And I I just I don't know. I don't know. And the music video is a lot of fun. It's the one of the cheesiest, shittiest videos I've ever seen. It's just them uh, lying on their backs with green screen, but then the camera's flipped upside down, and then they put a, t- like a background in like they're flying, and it looks terrible, mm. and it's fun. Everything that this album's done, and it builds up to this point. I mean, there's a few songs after this, but when it builds up to this point, it's just like, this is, this is the crescendo. This is the top of the mountain for me. This is this is the wow. top of Arabia Mountain for me. <laughs> <laughs> All I, right, I've Let's listened to this on. song so much. I mean, you don't. You already kind of said how you got into it, didn't you, or why you liked it? Yeah, the, at the beginning of the episode, the, this was the the song that got me into the album. I mean, I, I heard this and I was like, "Whoa, I gotta check out whoever this is." <laughs> and that was one of those moments. I mean, Phil always tried to, you know, trick me into listening to bands that I swore that I hated because he's like, if you just listen to them, if you just listen to this one song, you'd like them. And this was totally that I like, I, I am surprised Danny didn't try to trick me. But, you know, this this was that song. It tricked me into liking the this band. I would love um, to hear Danny's opinion on it as an old school Black Lips fan because it wouldn't surprise me if he was in the oh, camp he loves of like this album. We oh, okay. About it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wouldn't. I was just gonna say it wouldn't surprise me if he's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean his his favorite album is uh, uh, Let It Bloom, but he likes this album. No. Well, yeah. Cool. Enough about New Direction. Let's move on to the next song, and we'll hear a little bit of Nakahoma. So, John, please tell me what this song is about so I know why I love this song so much. Okay, you don't know what this song's about? No, I've read the lyrics and I'm just like, is it about some. some okay, baseball, well, first of all, I have to hippie say baseball fan. This, this is my favorite song, not only on the album, this is my all time favorite Black Love song. Oh, isn't that um, funny I, that ours are back to back? Yeah, I know. That's why I was like, I, I'm just going to wait, just going to wait. <laughs> but, um,. I, I mean, I love the way it stomps. I love the way that it, you know, starts out, you know, I mean, starts out rocking, but then, I mean, it, you know, it rocks and then you think it can't go anywhere further. And then it just bursts into like the biggest chorus, I think of their whole career. Um, yeah. And that, and that background that's... singing, like that animals ish background singing that they're doing is just, ah, uh, yeah, it yeah. sells the song well, so hard. And the funny thing about this song is it's about the um, the Atlanta Braves mascot. And, I mean, that's his name is Nakahoma. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't get it, Nakahoma? No, I, I get anyway, it. I, I got that it was like yeah. something was going on with baseball, but I didn't know it was the Atlanta Braves. I did get yeah, Nakahoma, oh. root for the team. Like, yeah, I, I understood that it was about... Something yeah, but about baseball. did you get the part where he said, I wish that other people could see Nakahoma cry? Yeah. yeah. I knew it was talking you about know, somebody like at a baseball, because after all the fans leave, he's sticking around. And... 
I read I read an interview with uh, Jared Swilly where he was talking about how he actually ran into the guy who is Nakahoma and his wife, and he got to meet them because they're very obsessed with, you know, the Black Lips are very obsessed with being from Georgia. They're very obsessed with Georgia things, Atlanta things, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he got to Well, yeah, the name of the album, Arabia Mountain, is a place in Georgia. Yes, it's a mountain in Georgia. Yeah. And he mentions to to them that he wrote this song, and they were not happy with him. They were not happy about it. They were like, oh, you wrote that song? And they got pretty mad, and then he's like, but they still took a picture, and shook my hand and we're nice but yeah yeah why why would they be why would they be mad at him because i think they thought that they that he was mocking him or something or bring you know something racial or something yeah and Um, really it's just kind of a tribute to a lonely local sports mascot exactly oh jeez so (laughs) okay well, yeah, this but, song's yeah, a lot of no, fun, and I'm glad that you enjoy it as much as I do. Well, a little more than I do, obviously. Yeah, I, this song is tops for me. Do you have anything else to say about Nakahoma? Nope, let's move on. We're kind of tearing through this last little bit of the album. Like, some of these songs, there isn't so much to say. Nope. Because they're just really oh. good songs. <laughs> yes. So, um, all right, let's hear a little bit of... Don't mess up my baby. I really like this song musically. Lyrically, I'm just kind of like, I feel like to the... (laughs) It's just another Cole song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, hey, in it, case uh, you in case you didn't realize from the earlier tracks, Cole likes drugs and gross stuff. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it. It. I mean, for the longest time, and this is this is a testament to how good this actual songwriting is on it. Mm-hmm. That for the longest time, I'd be listening to this with my kid, like you know. This is a really catchy number, and we'd be singing along with it in the car. And then it wasn't until like I got, you know, I I, I started paying attention to the lyrics, where I'm like, take a puff puff of methamphetamine. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like you said the other day, it's the funnest song about meth abuse. Well, maybe outside of Semi Charmed Life by uh, Third Eye Blind, but yeah, but this is such <laughs> a better song. Yeah, I'm kidding. Jesus. <laughs> i don't know i mean like, i just i just love how when i was a kid people were like did you know that song's about meth i'm like wow you mean the song with the line doing crystal meth will lift you off until you yeah. break it you mean that song no way yeah. wow i can't believe it I, I, i've had to explain to certain people uh the lyrics in that song and they were still like i i don't he's talking about uh, being a I fiend would- he bumped up, I and then he took the hit that yeah. he was given, and then he bumped again. And but he's just—he's going hard. This guy's doing. When, oh man! Because I was, <laughs> you know, I was in a cover band, and we were looking for family-friendly songs to cover for a uh, um, a cancer benefit that we we're playing. And someone brought that song up, and I was like, "That's about fucking crystal meth." And they go, the, "The one of the people goes, no, I don't see it." And I read the lyrics, 
And when I got to the part where I said, and I bumped up and I bumped again and I bumped again, she goes, no, I, I wouldn't take that as doing drugs. And I'm like, okay, how about the line, you know, something about crystal meth. Doing crystal you know, meth will lift you off until yeah. you break it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she goes, oh, okay, I guess the song's out. But yeah, no, best song about meth abuse. Fun song other than the craziness in it. <laughs> For any listeners out there that think I'm ragging on Cole's contributions to this band or his style of songwriting or, you know, I, I, I couldn't be anything further from. I poke fun at him because I, I love Cole, the way Cole does things. And the Black Lips wouldn't be the band that they are if there wasn't this little weirdo guy writing these strange, creepy songs. Like... This, this band wouldn't have its identity. Like, Jared and... I mean, as much as, you know, former members are... I feel are just as integral, even though the latest album has proved not necessary 100% of the time. Like, Jared and Cole are really like a yin and yang of this band. And the, oh, way, yeah. they the way they bounce off each other creatively is just... Is, is perfect. And I kind of feel like... Okay, on that live album, there's a part where Jared has to calm Cole down... <laughs> something's happening with him and a member of the crowd and he's like Cole 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 no hey, hey man hey man Cole 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 no come back come on back no Cole like and I feel like that's probably how they are creatively like Cole is a garage rock prodigy I feel like that guy and what the noises he makes with guitar and the catchy shit that he writes is nothing short of amazing and yeah I feel like Jared does a really good job of probably just kind of honing that in and without these two bouncing off each other, this band doesn't have as much personality. So I guess I just really wanted oh, to stress I... that I'm not ripping on Cole. I'm poking fun because I appreciate him so much. And that's kind of like the relationship that John and I have, where we make fun of each other because we care about each other so much. We have no problem ripping on each other a little bit because we know that there's a heart there. And if Cole, basically, I'm just saying this so if you hear this, there's a heart here, man. And I absolutely love what you do. So, all right. You know, I, I, I think I, I talked myself out of a hole there. <laughs> I, I, I think it was very sweet and touching what you said, but uh, I just I just have to let you know that it's all bullshit. We hate each other. John, 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 don't tell him. Don't tell him. We don't. We, we, oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, 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 we sorry. We haven't got the money. Yes, no, we're friends. We're friends. We're friends. friends. Our Patreon account is <laughs> bestfriends.patreon.com. Yes. All right. Uh, all let's right. move on to the next song. The next stand. Last song, a creepy little number called You Keep On Running. What a closer, man. It's so cool how this band has such... This this whole album, this band has maintained a level of just kind of fun in different ways, like, besides the song The Lie, which, you know, we talked about how we feel about that. But Spidey's Curse yeah. is kind of the only... Or Mr. Driver, maybe the super downers. Not super, but just kind yeah. of a little downer than the rest of the album, but they're still great songs. Yeah. yeah, other than those two, the albums just had this really energetic, really fun, almost summer feel, and then this song ends it, and it's just, 
it stops the fun with a 10 ton hammer and it's so goddamn good for it. Like I just, it's, it's just like, we're, we're, this is done here now, guys. We're, we're finished. Like, and they send you off with a little cool down and, ah, the song is just so haunting and catchy and trippy. Like, ah, I love the fuzz and the guitar lead and the weird scratchy kind of high voice vocals. He's doing, you know, I can't emulate that voice. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a great ender. I I really don't have much else to say about it. I I do like how most albums in this genre probably would have like ran out of steam by now, but they kept it going to this point. It's a pretty much a breeze to listen to. But yeah, I have nothing else to say about it. I love this album, with the with the exception of a few minor missteps, mostly the lie. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Hell yeah. Same here. I couldn't agree more. It's been a fun revisiting this album and actually going through and thinking about it track by track, so I'm really glad you picked it. Yeah, me too. Um, I really need to get going, so if you wouldn't mind telling me what the next album is going to be <laughs> next week. <laughs> I, I, I've, been, I've actually been for this. For a while, since the last time that we uh, did a show, since you teased it and wouldn't tell me what it was until now. Hmm. All right. Next episode, we will be doing from the year 2000, the final oh, album. Oh, God. Oh, God. The final. Oh, God. Okay, I know. It's a rough year, but bear with me. Uh, the yeah, final album by California's own Mr. Bungle, California. Oh, okay. That's that is not anywhere near what I thought you were. I mean, this is this is going to be good for me because I've never really listened to Mister Bungle. But I think you're going to love hate it. I, I think there's going to be parts you really like, and then other parts you're like, no, no. What are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, this is. I, I, my stomach was starting to drop when you said two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I was like, oh god, like, uh, did you? actually not ever get rid of your disturbed albums <laughs> hey i only bought the sickness because hit parader told me to i listened to it once <laughs> i fucking hated it for the record and i traded it for uh that black sabbath um double live album that came out in like 1998 that reunion one that oh, they okay. did so i okay that, that's fair i, I learned well, very you, fast you, on what, that what one. was the other album that you tried to show me the day uh cold chamber <laughs> or something I don't know. I remember like you were like hey you should we should listen to these albums together and I'm like dude I'm not gonna like this no it wasn't Cold like, Chamber yeah. what was it I know I know what you're talking about yeah cause one of them was The Sickness and uh yeah I can't the, oh, the other album was. oh I remember oh what was it don't make me say it The Deadlights okay you can text it to me Oh, the, no, no, it wasn't the deadlights. Yes. No. Are you sure? I'm pretty I, bought, sure. I remember I bought those at the exact same time. The deadlights is in like that Misfits kind of knockoff band? No, like in a shitty new metal band. Oh. Uh, with clean okay. vocals. Uh, okay, then that, that sounds familiar. All right. Well, I, I've got to get going. I seriously have to get out of here. All right. Um, well, thanks for doing the episode with me, John. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk it was again a great soon. Time. So I will catch you later, right. good sir.
All right. Have a good one, and I will talk to you next time. All right. Later on, John. And goodbye to all you listeners out there.